It is Wednesday, November 23rd here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 12 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And Jared, it is the day before Thanksgiving as we speak. The three-game Thanksgiving Day slate is ahead of us as usual. I'll be traveling to my in-laws this evening. So we're doing this thing a little bit early. Format's going to be a little bit different than most weeks. Not going to hit every single game, but going to hit lots of players that people are wondering about as they set these lineups. Yeah, my least favorite week of the year, trying to jam five days of work into four, no teams on by. And I, I freaking look tired. My God, I look <laughs> awful. Yes, everyone, if you're listening to this, don't tune into YouTube because then you'll see how old Jared and I really are. Um, but yeah, it, it's a tough week. I, I don't like Thursday games in general because it it shortens everything just for yeah. the purpose of one early kickoff. This is even worse because we get the first one at 1230 on Thursday, then another, then another. It's just like extra deadlines that you have to hit with everything. And I mean, that's obviously primarily a complaint for those of us doing <laughs> fantasy projections and content, but it's also it makes it more difficult for people who are setting lineups. I mean, you got to wait and see on injury situations. You have to make decisions yeah. on guys like one guy that's playing Thursday or one guy that you'd rather play that Sunday, but he might not be ready for that game. And you got to figure it out yeah. by Thursday. You know, we'll talk about some of that stuff. Unfortunately, in a lot of cases, we don't have any more information than you guys do. So, you know, we'll do our best to, to read what's going on. Yeah. We'll get the one practice report uh, today before Thursday's game. I, I like the Island games. I like being able to watch as many you know games as possible, um, but it does, make it more complicated for fantasy, especially, you know, FFPC uh, final week of the regular season there. So it's, it's a big week in high stakes country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, Mike and Adam talked about that on the deep end yesterday. You can find that episode both on DraftSharks.com and on the YouTube channel. You can find all the rankings and projections on the site. We'll certainly keep tweaking those as the week moves forward, but you can find the week 12 rankings by position now for PPR half PPR, non-PPR scoring. You can find flex and IDP rankings as well to help you make lineup decisions. For your absolute best lineup recommendations, I would recommend hitting the My Leagues in the menu at the top of either the site or the app. That's going to bring up every team that you have synced to DraftSharks.com. From there, you click the Team Intel button. That will tell you who we would recommend putting in your lineup. It's literally going to say, these are the players that we would start in your specific format. So, I know that's a big help for me when I'm scrambling to set all of my lineups before whatever game in a given week. There's also the free agent finder there, Jared. I, you can also access all of your teams. You can not only see who the best available players are in each league that you have there, but you can also just do a quick search for wherever a player might be available. And that comes up this week because we had the Broncos wave Melvin Gordon. We had the Rams release Daryl Henderson. So if you're like, <laughs> crap, I wonder if Latavius Murray is available anywhere in any of my leagues. What am I going to do? You go to the free agent finder, you can hit uh, search all leagues for Latavius Murray, find out if he's available anywhere and jump on him there. Same deal for either of the Rams running backs who we'll talk about later. Yeah, I'd be even more tired if I didn't have the uh, free agent finder and then my team. That that stuff is part of my weekly process. I have my league page up on one monitor, my team, free agent finder up on the other, and I can you know go back and forth. And it definitely uh, makes the process easier and quicker. And talking about the Island games, it's a great opportunity, I think, to play pickums, to play over-unders. My, my underdog pickums article comes out every Wednesday. It's up on the site now. It's loaded this week. There are 31 players. I even added one after I had originally posted it. 31 player props in that one matches the season high. There are 12 for the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day games alone. 
um, just among those three games. We got a Dak Prescott boost on underdog. So if you haven't played on underdog before, you can hit promo code draft sharks. Let me put that up on the screen for anybody who wants to see. So hit that promo code draft sharks. You'll get your first deposit matched and then you can build your pickums. Check the article. We've got lots of stuff in there and the article tells you how the picks have done this year. So you don't have to take my word for it that they're valuable. Now, Jared, let's move on to the rest of the week 12 action. And the big news today is the Jets benching Zach Wilson. It's not necessarily a huge thing for fantasy, but it's noteworthy, at least for the offense moving away temporarily from a quarterback that has not been getting it done for us, not been helping the talented skill players that are around him. Yeah, I don't think it can be bad news for this Jets offense. I don't know if Mike Wade's going to be an upgrade. Um, we saw him for parts of parts of four games last season, 67% completion rate, 7.2 yards per attempt, five touchdowns, eight interceptions across those four games, a 6% interception rate. Um the Jets threw it a bunch in those games, which kind of inflated everything. They averaged 47 and a half pass attempts per game. Um, we saw the Jets go pass heavy early on this season with Joe Flacco under center. I I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think they're going to revert back to a pass leaning offense. I think it's going to remain run heavy, especially this week against the Bears, who you know who most offenses have gone run, run heavy against. So I'm you know still not super excited about any piece of this passing game this week, and we'll kind of reevaluate it after White's uh, first start on Sunday. Yeah, I think this will be a sluggish, low-scoring game, especially if Justin Fields can't play. We're still waiting to see on that, but we'll talk about him in a few minutes. Mike White, I think the first thing people are going to think, oh, this is great for Michael Carter because the running back targets were awesome when Mike White stepped in last year. So I would just caution that it's a four-game sample, three starts there. Really, when we're talking about it being awesome for Michael Carter's targets, we're mostly talking about two games where he racked up 23 targets. There was no Garrett Wilson on the team at that point. The tight ends are better now than they were then. Even Corey Davis missed two of those Mike White games. So I would not, I'm going to bet the under on 23 targets for Michael Carter over the next two weeks. Um, And if he does get targeted that heavily, even the 16% target share that he got over that span. If it's that much, it's probably not a good sign for the way things are going for the Jets offense. Yeah. And 16% for, I mean, that's a good number for a running back. It's not as high as I thought it was when, when I went to go look it up uh, like an hour ago. Well, again, Carter's volume was a, a lot because the Jets threw it, you know, 47 and a half times per game. The, the other thing, obviously it's a, it's a different season. Last week, Michael Carter ran her out on just 37% of the Jets pass plays. That was about, you know, uh, half of the running back routes you saw we saw Ty Johnson and James Robinson mix in too so if he's only going to be running around on a third of the pass plays like it's tough to project big passing game volume so Carter did move up our rankings a little bit with the quarterback change but he's still in running back three territory in PPR and then you know non-PPR he's outside our top 35 backs and just to add a little context if we get 30 pass attempts a six a 16 percent share is 4.8 targets so that's a solid number but we're not talking about um huge stuff so don't get too excited slight bump uh just don't get carried away and again i don't think that mike white is a boost for everybody else the it, it's good that they're not playing zach wilson because he has stunk so it's at least good to take a shot and see if somebody else stinks yeah. less but i'm not i don't think i'm more likely right now to play Garrett Wilson than I was, you know, yesterday. What about you? No, yeah, I didn't move Wilson at all in our projections. Um, he's still like high end RB or high end wide receiver four, I think. Um, we'll see again. I don't think moving away from Wilson can be bad news for Garrett Wilson. 
But again, especially in this matchup, I don't think the Jets are going to throw it a whole lot. So, you know, Wilson is still kind of an unexciting fantasy play this week. And it didn't stop there on the crappy QB news desk. (laughs) Mike Garofolo reports that the Texans are going to start Kyle Allen this week against the Dolphins. Lovey Smith would neither confirm nor deny that in his press conference. But it sounds like Kyle Allen will probably start this week. Not sure that makes a huge difference, although... It might be interesting for DFS purposes because playing the Dolphins has been a potential shootout spot all season. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not to DFS yet this week. Um, I can't imagine pulling the trigger on Kyle Allen. I don't. I don't think he's going to be a significant upgrade over Davis Mills. And you know, Davis Mills has been bad this season, so I don't think it's going to be a significant downgrade either. It just adds more uncertainty to the situation. Like I thought, Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins were in play as wide receiver threes in this matchup. Texans playing from behind, passing volume likely going to be up. But um, you know, it, again, it adds more um, uncertainty to both guys' profiles this week. Mm-hmm. And then the Rams might have to play Bryce Perkins this week. He's going to be getting first-team reps because Matthew Stafford is in the concussion protocol, likely out after suffering another one last week. And yeah. then John Wolford is also hurt. Yeah, Wolford was a full go in practice last Friday. So I kind of had been assuming that he'd be ready for this game, but I'm, I mean, maybe the Rams just want to go with Perkins to see what he can do. I mean, it's not like Wolford's the answer short-term or long-term. So Perkins can at least run a little bit. Um, he, he might be an interesting DFS guy um, just because of the rushing ability. But as we've seen all season, you know, this Rams offense is not one you really want to be invested in. Yeah. And the Rams look like they're in why not phase of the season, you know, see what we've got because this season's not happening. So let's move on now to some players who will actually factor in to our starter decisions. And we're going to go position by position today, starting at quarterback. And the first quarterback up is Lamar Jackson. Jared, what are you doing with Lamar Jackson this week? How worried are you about him in general? I'm worried. I mean, I've been worried. It's been since what week three, since we've seen like a ceiling game from Lamar Jackson. Now he hasn't really been killing you. Like he's been finishing like quarterback 10, quarterback 12, somewhere in low end quarterback one range, obviously not what you drafted him as he's not a must start, but what he's like seventh in our rankings this week. Like I think um, Geno Smith and Tua Tagovailoa are probably the two guys you might have paired with Lamar Jackson that I'd start him over. The scary part about not starting Lamar is just the, upside like to me I I actually wrote down here I think he's like Justin Fields ish at this point where the passing projection is not good but like he Lamar Jackson still has the elite rushing upside he can still run for 100 yards and a score and if he does that like you know he's a strong fantasy play regardless of what the passing is so um, that's the thing I think you're still you know benching 30 point upside if you're benching Lamar Jackson that is the fear when you're deciding whether to play Lamar Jackson but he has not shown that upside for quite a while. From week four on, he's had just two games of 20-plus fantasy points and a high of 24.2. So he hasn't shown that ceiling that makes you like kick yourself for benching, benching Lamar. Certainly can outscore the guy that you played over him. But I just I, I think that the fear there is not founded in what he's actually doing. And I look at week four because that's the game that Rashad Bateman left early. So looking back to when Bateman was healthy and on the field, the first three games of the season, Jackson had passer ratings of 98.3, 142.6, 110.3. He had 8.5 yards per pass attempt over that span and 10 touchdown passes. That included wins over the Jets and Patriots. Maybe those defenses are just better now than they were at that point in the season, but those are at least defenses that have been good since then, since the game where Bateman went down, including that week four, 
Uh, Lamar is ju- at just 79.8 percent, not percent, 79.8 passer rating, 6.08 yards per attempt, six touchdown passes in seven games. In that span, he is tied for QB 15 in fantasy points per game. So he's been bad and especially bad relative to what we expected when we drafted him. Yeah. And I'm not expecting the passing production to get better. Again, I think you project him similar to like fields at this point, like 180 passing yards, maybe a touchdown, you know, maybe two, if you get lucky, but Lamar has double digit carries in two straight games and three of his last four games. And I think six total games this season, like it's still tough for me to bench a quarterback with that type of rushing floor and ceiling. Um, again, you know, he, he can go for 100 rushing yards. He also has the matchup on his side of this favor. Man, Jacksonville's defense, for the first month of the season, we were like, is this a top 10, top 5 defense? Over the last five weeks, the Jags are 31st in Football Outsiders defensive DVOA. They're 30th against the pass, 21st against the run. Uh, the Ravens have a decent 24-point implied total this week. It's ninth highest on the week. So it, it's, you know, the, the matchup, I think, elevates Jackson's fantasy profile this week. I absolutely agree that the matchup elevates him, but that that to me puts him in the top 12 as opposed to putting him uh, inside the top eight. I would play over him. I would play Geno Smith against the Raiders. I'd play Tua against the Texans. I would play Dak Prescott over him because I think the floor at least is higher. Um, I'm probably playing Tom Brady, who over that same span since Mm -hmm. week four, despite his touchdown issues, has been QB 11 in points per game. You know, the matchup is certainly good for Lamar Jackson, but he's also had positive recent matchups with the Panthers, Saints, Browns, and Giants where he just didn't deliver. So uh, he needs to show me that he's actually dangerous before I am. I, I, I guess I had to talk myself. I had to realize that I shouldn't be as scared to sit Lamar Jackson because he just hasn't shown that ceiling. Yeah. Again, I'm good with Gino and Tua over Lamar. I would start those guys over Lamar. I think, um, they have similar floors and not quite as much upside. I mean, two is upside rivals Lamar's at this point. Now, I don't think Gino has the same upside, but I think you you know factor in the floor. Um, I'm I'm good. Yeah, and Gino gets the Raiders, um, which you know boosts him. So outside of that, though, I'm I'm sticking with Lamar over those other guys you mentioned. Justin Fields up next. The shoulder is hurt. Uh, it's dislocated. It's not dislocated. The latest sounds like it's not dislocated. He is considered day to day. He's taking part in their practice today, but it's just a walkthrough, so we don't know whether he would have actually participated in a real practice. So we're going to have to watch Justin Fields' participation through this week. If you have to decide between him and a Thursday quarterback, then you probably need to go ahead and play the Thursday quarterback. I'd probably try to drop that Thursday quarterback for someone on Sunday so you can wait further. Um, I don't know. I'd I'd have to think through the specifics. I mean, well, let's look at who there are because there really aren't that many decisions. The decisions here are Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott, and Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Dak, I'd play over Fields. Jones would be the toss-up. If Cousins is my backup, I'd dump Cousins for someone on Sunday. I don't think you're missing anything um, this week or going forward with Kirk Cousins. The, the Daniel Jones one is tough. Um, again, we'll get you know we have another 24 hours before that game kicks off, so we'll see. Um, yeah, I mean the fact that Fields was clear to practice, it, I'm leaning towards him being able to play now. You know, it, it's a left shoulder injury for Fields, so it's not his throwing shoulder, but I think that's going to impact his willingness to run you know his 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 ability to break tackles maybe i'm not saying he's not going to run but i think you know we have his rushing uh projection lower than it had been and that's partly because of the shoulder probably because of the matchup i mean this is the first tough matchup he's faced in a while um so you know he fields is like in low-end quarterback one territory this week and i'm not sure for me he'd climb much even if we get confirmation that he's playing 
Yeah, for me, the concern is the risk of re-injury. And I mean, obviously, we're all we're always guessing on that. But all of this is really an educated guess. So I think Justin Fields heading into the game with a left shoulder injury increases his chances of leaving that game early versus other guys around him. So that's what would keep me from moving him up. The fact that he's playing the Jets certainly doesn't help him because they have been tough on defense and they certainly have guys capable of delivering the kind of hits that could knock him out of that game early. So it's, it's a tough situation. Um, I, I agree. I would play Dak Prescott over him. Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins would both be tough for me. I agree that I, I'm not expecting a lot from Kirk Cousins against the Patriots this week. Daniel Jones against Dallas is tough. It would really, that one would depend on what else is on the waiver wire. Like if you're in the kind of league yeah. where Jimmy Garoppolo is still out there, and that's a Sunday option, then I'd be fine with not playing Daniel Jones and waiting to see what happens with Fields. Yeah, I don't feel great about Jones. Um, he did run for 79 yards in the first meeting with Dallas, but he's going to be missing three more O-linemen tomorrow, um, you know, beyond what they'd already been dealing with injuries along the O-line. So that, you know, that Dallas pass rush against what that O-line is going to be out there, that, that could be an issue. So, um, yeah, I, I would have no problem with cutting Jones for a Sunday guy if you're waiting on Fields. I think it's close. Kyler Murray has a hamstring injury. There's another report this week, though, Jared, that he's way ahead. That was what they said last Monday, I think, before he did not play in that game. So mm-hmm. I don't know, what, what's the latest on him? I don't got anything new on him. I, it seems like the Cardinals are like truly waiting for him to be back to 100% before throwing him back out there. Like He's been limited. He was limited in practice last week. I think you know they could have thrown him out there on Monday night at less than 100%. So I think they're at least doing the right thing there. So that makes me feel better about – getting Kyler back in the fantasy lineups if he plays on uh, this Sunday should be, a, you know, pretty fun. Could be a fun game against the chargers. Could be a shootout. Um, Cole McCoy's banged up too. Um, Cliff Kingsbury mentioned like three body parts when talking about uh, Colt McCoy's issue after that Monday night game. So we'll see uh, how the situation plays out over the next couple of days. If he does play, I'm taking him over Lamar Jackson because I think that if Kyler Murray does play, then that means the hamstring is in pretty good shape. But the, the way that they've been talking about it, it sounds like they would rather lean conservative if they're not sure about it. So I'm going to take that as a good sign that it's in good shape. And what Kyler Murray has over Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields is guys around him. DeAndre Hopkins. We mm-hmm. should get Marquise Brown back this week. So better offensive talent. I, I hesitate to say better situation because the coach sucks. <laughs> yeah, this is weird. I think, I think I'd probably play Lamar over Kyler this week, um, but it's close. We'll see uh, if Kyler has any of either of his slot receivers for that game. Cause Rondell Moore got hurt and Greg Dorch hurt a thumb in that Monday night game. So both those guys look iffy for Sunday. Mm-hmm. streaming options options jared what if you don't have any of these quarterbacks or do end up with one of these guys not able to play to me it looks like not a week to reach but there are a few guys that can be options it starts with trevor lawrence against the ravens if you look at our rankings they're eighth and pass defense dvoa though so it's it's definitely not a gimme matchup and i wouldn't be surprised if lawrence lets us down in this one yeah, not a good matchup um, Jackson for, for Lawrence. Jacksonville has a 19.75 point implied total, so that's not encouraging. Lawrence, though, top 10 fantasy quarterback in four of his last five games. Two of those came because of rushing touchdowns, but he's also earned his two best PFF passing grades in his last two games. 76% completion rate, three touchdowns, zero interceptions in those last two games. So he, he is playing better. He is giving you rushing production. Like you can't count on a touchdown, but I think you can count on 15 to 25 rushing yards out of him. So he is my favorite streamer this week. I'm with you though. There are a few decent options. No like great standout option. To me, Jimmy Garoppolo would be the next best option. And he's right there 
with Lawrence, I'd have no issue, you know, grabbing Garoppolo off your waiver wire instead of Lawrence if you want. Um, Garoppolo's been a top 11 fantasy quarterback in four of his last six games. Just so many freaking weapons, it's like hard for Garoppolo to fail at this point. Um, and the Niners have the sixth highest implied total for this week at 26.25 points. So I think you know, Garoppolo's a better touchdown bet than uh, Trevor Lawrence's this week for sure. Yeah, I think Garoppolo is probably safer than Lawrence this week. Four touchdowns last time out. Five games of two-plus touchdowns among the past six games. Gets the Saints, who are, are still dealing with myriad injuries on defense. So I don't even know how how good the defense is capable of being at this point, but it's certainly not a defense that scares you. Taylor Heineke is kind of the break glass option because I know there are some people who are like, yeah, I need to stream quarterback. But no, Trevor Lawrence and Jimmy Garoppolo are not available, you idiots. Give me somebody who's actually on the waiver wire. <laughs> I think Taylor Heineke is a, I have an emergency. I need a quarterback. The matchup is strong. Playing Atlanta is good for everybody on offense, but Washington does not want to lean on Taylor Heineke. 29.6 pass attempts per game with him around under 30 pass attempts in three straight games, 42 pass attempts per game back when Carson Wentz was in the lineup and healthy. If we throw out the, the game against Chicago where he injured his finger. Yeah. And I wouldn't expect the passing volume to be up in this game. Um, you're, it's really just does Heineke get the touchdowns or not because he has not thrown a touchdown in the past two weeks and he's finished outside the top 20 quarterbacks in fantasy points, but he had, I think five touchdowns over his first three games and he finished quarterback 13 quarterback eight and quarterback 15. So, I mean, if you get lucky in the touchdown department, you know, he can turn in a decent day. Like you said, the matchup is awesome. So yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, I would play Daniel Jones over Heineke. He's kind of the, the other spot starter. I think that might be available that I'd stick over Heineke, but if Jones and Lawrence and Garoppolo are all gone in your league, I think Heineke's probably your next best bet. For sure. And that's why I say this is not a week to reach for it. Like I talk about being worried about Lamar Jackson. I'm not reaching for any of these three quarterbacks to play over Lamar Jackson. Agreed. Running back, James Conner. I'm especially happy to be able to talk positively about James Conner at this point, Jared, after getting so many weeks of not being positive on him. Dominating backfield work right now, though, of course, a backfield that has shed. Eno Benjamin in recent weeks, 35 carries the past two weeks for James Conner, even though they got blown out last week and the starters left the game early. 13 targets over the past three games, and now he's in a positive spot this week. Yep, he has a top 10 type workload usage right now the you know snap rate and the route rate and his percentage of the backfield carries like connor connor's dominating um even more than i think we expected heading into the season because of you know benjamin's release and then yeah the chargers the chargers are dead last by a wide margin in football outsiders run defense dvoa over the past five weeks now they're allowing 5.7 yards per carry through running backs over that stretch so like the concern for connor most weeks for me at least is efficiency I, I think he's you know going to be more efficient this week in this matchup. And again, uh, I, I think he's a good bet for 20 plus touches. I could sure go for a James Conner week across my portfolio at this point. <laughs> Najee Harris, speaking of guys that have rebounded, no games for him of 20 carries or 90 rushing yards or four and a half yards per carry before the team's week nine by in the two games since he has hit all three of those numbers, 20 plus carries, 90 plus rushing yards, four and a half plus per rush. And this week, might also benefit from Jalen Warren's injury. Yeah, Harris looks healthier. He looks more explosive since the bye week. So I, I do buy that the foot was probably still an issue um, for you know most of those first nine games. Um, but yeah, the, the big thing is Warren's injury. Warren lasted just three snaps last week before hurting that hamstring. Najee Harris ended up playing 92% of the Steelers 
offensive snaps, ran her out on 79% of the pass plays, got 20 carries and six targets. Yeah, that's what we were looking for if you drafted him. So you got to be happy right now. And it's the kind of workload where you just start him regardless of opponent and the strength of the offense. Tony yeah. Pollard is definitely not a guy that you just start regardless. Although this week after the way he did last week, it's going to be yeah. tough to not use him. The, the, the real question mark though still is how much work does he get? You feel better about that right now than you do usually. He did get 15 carries last week. He was also their top receiver in that game. Now, that the way that he performed as a receiver last week is both a reason to love him and a reason to be wary because there is both lots of skill and lots of luck involved when you score two touchdowns from 30 and 68 yards out that's absolutely neither of those is probably happening most weeks so the fact that they both came together in a single game is like uh, this unicorn of ppr adams now he did get his second most carries of the season despite ezekiel elliott being back from the knee injury the question is does zeke get more this week i think it probably helps pollard's outlook that it's a quick turnaround from that game to this Mm -hmm. which gives less time for elliott's need to rebound Yeah, I mean, you could argue that Pollard is a sell high, like if you could get top eight running back value in return for him. I mean, you might you you might go to our week twelve rankings and think Pollard's too low. I mean, we have him RB seventeen, so not a must start, I guess. But you'd have to be stacked at at running back to sit him. I I'm expecting carries to be split pretty close to fifty fifty going forward. I mean, how how can Dallas scale back Pollard's workload? much based on you know what he's done over the past month now and then you know he did get the six targets last week which is super encouraging if he can get 12 to 15 carries and then a handful of targets with how explosive he is how efficient he is like i think he's a guy you're going to be wanting to you're going to want to start more weeks than that yeah i mean he might be too low he might also be too high because we've had plenty of times before where we're like why isn't dallas giving tony pollard the ball more and they came into the season saying they were going to use him more as a receiver and it just didn't come to fruition yet so Mm -hmm. we'll see whether this past sunday was you know the breakout for what we thought we could get from tony pollard or just this blip of a game where everything went right for him certainly the way that he performed there and a matchup that's not scary makes it easier to go ahead and take a shot on him this week if you're weighing him against anyone close Samaj Piran talking about that area of the rankings is somebody that I I'm more wary of I, I would rather lean away from him in close decisions. To me, the only reason to like Pirine this week, and of course we're assuming right now that Joe Mixon's not playing, which is generally the case with a concussion the following week. I think the only reason to like Pirine right now is the receiving outlook. Bengals running backs rank fourth in receptions for the year. Yeah, that's definitely the big thing. Um, Mixon and Pirine have combined for 7.9 targets per game on a 21% target share. You know, I don't think uh, P Ryan's going to get all that. We don't have him projected for nearly all that, but I, I do think, you know, 15 or so percent of the targets is what you're looking at for P Ryan. And this should be a pass heavy game plan for the Bengals against Tennessee, which again, I don't think is, is bad for P Ryan because I don't think he's going to be efficient on the ground. I don't think he's a good running back and it's a brutal matchup against Tennessee. Um, we'll see about Chris Evans. I think that might actually matter. Um, he missed last week with a knee injury. He did practice late in the week. Um, so I kind of think he's back this week. He, he could steal some of those passing down snaps because that, that's basically the only department where the Bengals have wanted to use Chris Evans so far. So we'll see about his status. Um, it, you know, it's, ju- it's just a volume play with P Ryan. And, and that's how, that's how I play fantasy. Like I want the guy who I, I think he probably gets 20 touches in this game. Um, and that, that, that's, that's, that's about all I can say good for P Ryan. Again, I don't think he's that good and I don't expect him to be super efficient in this matchup. I will say he probably gets 16. I think he falls short of 20 unless he loads up on targets, which is a possibility. 
Yeah, I think we have him for like five targets right now, um, which you know is, is is a high mark for for a running back. Mm. Other guys around him that you're weighing him against this week, Latavius Murray's up next, and Murray's one that I prefer over P Ryan because I think that they're pretty similar in touch outlook. Of course, Murray's situation improved when Melvin Gordon got waived at the beginning of the week. Chase Edmonds is down with an ankle sprain. So it's basically Murray and Marlon Mack for this game. 17 carries last week for Murray, four targets against the Raiders. That was with Melvin Gordon still involved. Panthers now come in as the sixth most friendly matchup for RB scoring. I think it's easier to see a touchdown coming for Latavius Murray and a similar um, touch outlook for Samaja Piran. Yeah, I think um, Murray's probably even maybe a slightly better bet for carries than Piran. I don't think he's as good of a target bet. Um, you know, Murray just – he's a below-average running back at this point in his career. The Denver offense sucks. Murray's averaging 3.3 yards per carry in his five games with Denver. So even in this you know plus matchup, it's tough to project big-time efficiency. And yeah, if I if I had to bet, I'd call Piran a better touchdown bet just because he's on the better offense. Uh, now I'm curious to see how Vegas has their team totals. Do you know offhand what they're projected? Yep, for? I got it right here. Denver is at 19.5. Bengals are at 22. So. Yeah, I was I was surprised at the um, Cincinnati Tennessee game not being a little bit higher on the score front. So I would say I would say I agree that the Bengals are more likely to score than Denver. I'm just not sure that I think it's more likely to be Pirine than Murray. They're both neither of the okay. So both of these guys are guys that are only startable because of situation. I think mm-hmm. neither is somebody that you should get overly excited about this week. For sure. For sure. Um, I, again, I don't think either player is good. I don't expect either player to be efficient, but they're running backs who are, you know, very safe bats for, I think 15 plus touches. And that's, that's, that's worth a lot right now. <laughs> I do also think it's a good week to stash Mike Boone where possible. If you have mm-hmm. a roster spot to play with, because, you know, we talk about Latavius Murray, not being great. He might lead the backfield and touches the rest of the way, yeah. or maybe he has a couple more games that are like a vacuum cleaner moving along. And then Mike Boone comes back from IR and gets some touches. Definitely. Totally agree with that. Leonard Fournette is low in our rankings this week. And Jared, I'm assuming that's primarily because we're waiting to see what's up with his hip, right? Uh, no, I haven't projected as if he's just playing. Rashad White started last game and um, they were basically splitting work 50-50. So that's kind of, you know, I even have Fournette projected for a bit more work than Rashad White. I think the, the matchup is what has Fournette as high as he is, honestly. Um, you know, Cleveland's been really bad against the run lately. I think you can start Fournette and Rashad White as, you know, lower end RB2s. And you know, we'll see what the workload split looks like coming out of the bye. Yeah, very interested to see if we get another Rashad White start, if we get more work from him. And, you know, certainly curious to see what Fournette's participation is going to be. The indication is that it's not a serious injury. They expect him to be back. But, you know, we'll see as the practice week gets going. Yep. Antonio Gibson is somebody that I would boost up and somebody that I would play ahead of both Samaje Pirine and Latavius Murray. He reclaimed the lead in that backfield last week, and it's for a team that wants to run. So he still remains inefficient overall. But if he's getting those touches and especially the receiving work, as we yeah. talked about, it's a good spot. 32 carries, six targets over the past two games for Antonio Gibson. Now comes the Falcons, who are seventh best scoring matchup for running backs on the season. Yeah, I'm good boosting uh, Gibson up ahead of Murray and Piran. I think I'd start Gibson over those guys. Um, maybe not Gibson might not be quite as safe a bet for touches, but I think you know he's he's the better player. He's going to be more efficient in this matchup against Atlanta, and, and maybe he is as good a bet for touches because even in positive game script last week against Houston, Gibson doubled up Brian Robinson in snaps, forty six to twenty three. 
Uh, you mentioned the workload split, Gibson outcarried Robinson. Of course, Gibson got the only three running back targets in that game. So, I mean, even if the carries are going to be split 50-50, then you're going to get all the receiving work going to Gibson. Like, you know, that makes him a pretty solid weekly running back, too. And then he gets a boost in this matchup against Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And as we said, a, an offense that wants to run the ball. So that helps the, the volume outlook. Yeah. Isaiah Pacheco's volume outlook has been much better over the past two weeks. Two straight games over 80 rushing yards. Topped 100 yards against the Chargers. 31 carries over those two games what do you think about Isaiah Pacheco this week I think he's a starter in most cases I mean it'd be nice if he could catch a football once you know for for PPR leagues um he you know despite the 31 carries over the last two weeks he hasn't seen a target he has run 25 pass routes in those two games though so it's not like he's not getting any chances to be targeted like the ball just hasn't come his way so I don't think he's a total zero in the passing game but I think you're starting him this week for the rushing um Chiefs are 14 and a half point home favorites against, you know, whoever the Rams are going to be starting at quarterback. Um, so it should be a game where in the second half, they can kind of feed Pacheco. I think, you know, he's going to get 15 to 20 carries in this game. I wonder if he hasn't shown enough patience in the screen game yet for Andy Reed, because Andy Reed has always loved screen passing and the way that Isaiah Pacheco runs is not, <laughs> it's not, uh, it's frantic. Like he looks yeah. like a puppy that just heard you say outside. And now he's at the door just waiting for you to open yeah. it. So, That could be part of it. Here's one thing that makes me want to be a little hesitant on Pacheco this week. This matchup definitely favors passing. The Rams are fifth in run defense DVOA, 26th against the pass for the season. We know that the Chiefs are not going to hesitate to throw the ball if that's what the matchup says. The pass rate over expected says opponents have leaned run um, against the Rams this year, but they've leaned pass a little bit more recently If you look at the Chiefs against the Titans and 49ers, the last two opponents they played that do play the run significantly tougher than the pass, both of those were pass-leaning approaches in those games. Pacheco, I think, is okay, but he's not a must. And then kind of the last mark semi against him is the Chiefs lead the league in going pass inside the 10-yard line. So even if you're the lead runner for this team, you're less likely to get those goal line carries than you might be for a lot of other teams. Yeah, Pacheco's in RB3 range in our PPR rankings, obviously climbs quite a bit in non-PPR. I, I think this is a game where he could have four carries at halftime and then, you know, carry 12 times in the second half, maybe score late. Because again, I, I do think it's going to be a Chiefs blowout. Yes, I would agree with that. And certainly Clyde Edward D'Lair landing on IR with his high ankle sprain today does not hurt the touch outlook for uh, either Pacheco or Jarek McKinnon. Rams running backs, Daryl Henderson is not one of those anymore released earlier this week. So obviously the question is, who's the bet from here, Jared? What's your answer to somebody who says, which Rams running back should I pick up? Yeah, I mean, neither ideally. I mean, I, I mean, they, 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 I mean, they should, Akers and Kyron Williams should both be owned in leagues of 12 plus teams just because, you know, the running back landscape. But um, this, this offense isn't getting any better. There's more injuries on the O-line. Um, again, the quarterback situation is bad. Yeah, it does look like they want Kyron Williams to be the passing down guy. Um, 27 of his 35 snaps last week were passing plays. Um, and he ended up getting two targets, seven carries in that game. Cam Akers had 14 carries. I think that's kind of going to be the workload split, like maybe um, two to one carries in favor of Cam Akers, but Kyron Williams getting most of the passing game work. And you know that again, that leaves both guys you know outside of running back three range, even in this bad offense. Yeah, if you're saying, who do I get to start this week? I would have to lean Cam Akers because we've seen more carries from him. But if you're asking who I should stash because they have upside, 
probably Kyron Williams for me, basically because he's the only running back for the Rams that hasn't gotten in a fight off the field with Sean McVay from based on the way things are going. I don't, I haven't read reports of them actually having fights, but they released Daryl Henderson. Yeah. They tried to trade Cam Akers for a couple of weeks. Uh, Kyron Williams has just been hurt. So as far as we know, Kyron Williams is the one running back on earth that Sean McVay still has positive yeah. feelings about right now. Yeah, the Rams have a 14.75 point implied total. So that tells you, you know, how little to expect of the offense this week. And then, you know, Malcolm Brown and Ronnie Rivers are, st- are still on the practice squad. I, I think the Rams are going to elevate one of those guys and make him active. We'll see how much they play. But, you know, it might not even be just this two-man backfield. Yeah, and Malcolm Brown has been involved lately, and especially surprisingly so in the passing game, I think. Crazy how useless this Rams offense became so quickly. Yeah, there's definitely no must add here, um, but, you know, either guy can be in play. Bill's running backs, Jared. What's up with the Buffalo backfield? Yeah, I just wanted to tell people I think I'd be careful with James Cook if you, like, expect him to be, you know, he got 11 carries last week um, after getting, like, five or six the previous few games. The Bills were negative 5% in pass rate over expected last week. That was the first time all season they've been below zero that they've, you know, run more than expected based on game flow. I don't expect that to become a trend. You could argue that it's because of Josh Allen's injury. I think it was more of the matchup. Cleveland's been so bad against the run. I think the Bills just decided to attack that way. So if the Bills go back to their usual pass heavy ways, I don't think James Cook is going to get more than a handful of carries per game. Devin Singletary still played 72% of the snaps last week. James Cook was at just 25%. So you know, based on playing time, Singletary is, is the still the clear leader here. Yeah, and do you have anything on the splits between the halves? Because I, I don't know the numbers. I'm trying to look at it right now to see yeah. if they – it was pretty even run pass even in the first half. So it seems like it was part of the plan as opposed to something that they shifted to. You know, And yeah. whether it was matchup or Josh Allen's elbow, either way I agree that it's it seems like more of a temporary thing than any sort of offensive shift. Yeah, now, you know, the Bills get Detroit this week, so – you know, Cook could turn six carries into 70 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but, you know, I, I think he's he's still a low floor fantasy play. Yeah, he's much more of a stash than somebody that you can use anytime soon. And Devin Singletary remains somebody that you can use, but also somebody who's capable of going with just single digit carries in any given game. Yeah, is he going to do what he did last year and score like eight touchdowns over the final like month of the season? <laughs> I'm going to bet against it, but we at least know that that's possible. And I yep. mean... One thing that's changed in the past couple of weeks is I assumed after the Naheem, Naheem Hines trade that they were getting him because they still wanted a different answer at receiving running back. And we have seen absolutely nothing of Hines so far besides returning punts. Yeah, I honestly think they might have traded for him to return punts because they lost uh, Jameson Crowder, who was doing some of that, which you know, wouldn't be the worst move in the world. They gave up about a sixth round pick for him. Yeah. Yep. A bigger name for us than it must be for the bills. Uh, hasn't yeah. done anything on offense. So I think right now, rather than assume that he's going to factor into that, we should assume that he's not and that he is there as primarily a punt returner and, yep. you know, more fodder for the backfield. Yep. For sure. Um, we're going to go to wide receivers next, but first I want to talk about sleeper daily drafts for a minute. They just introduced these during the season and it's a good way to play the daily stuff without throwing too much money at it. You pay $1 to enter an eight team draft. You select that team. And then Jared, after you get this team, you get to decide whether to enter it into other bonus contests. They've got head to head. They've got group formats. You can choose the entry fee level, which then of course controls how much you're capable of winning it pays out the top three spots in any of those groups. So it's an easy way to get a team, see if you like it, and then decide what to do, which is different from some other daily drafting formats. Best of all, though, 
You go in now, if you've never played on Sleeper before, you enter promo code DraftSharks, you get a 100% deposit match. So you can immediately be playing with free money. And then, you know, even if you just want to play it down to that, and once you get back to your original investment, if you want to cut it off there, that's up to you. You really haven't lost anything at that point. So why not take a shot? Yeah, really cool format. I mean, it's it's uh, DFS, a lot of the same strategies where you want to be building stacks and maybe even you know other correlated plays, but instead of... Uh, having to mess with salary caps, you're drafting, which everyone loves to do. Yeah. And what I like about that is it, 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 it more closely mirrors the, you know, original strategy of fantasy where you are competing against other teams for players, as opposed to just, okay, who is everybody going to be starting? Obviously, once you enter that team and other contests, then that introduces more of that. But still, I, I, whenever I do play DFS, I, have more fun playing the draft format of it than I do the the regular DFS format. I love both formats. I, I do them both. All right. Well, we'll be talking about that format as well in Friday's pod. But for now, we'll get back to our rundown for the weekly preview. And we're going to wide receiver, Jared. Chris Alave, after just three, after three just okay games, if you sat him last week because you were concerned, <laughs> he punished you against the Rams. Yeah. So what do we do? Yeah, I mean, that was nice to see. And the, the guy is awesome. So I got, you know, I don't want to be too down on him, but it's worth noting his route rate was down to a season low last week, 63%. Rashid Shahid ran more pass routes than Chris Olave. I don't know. It, it was a it was an interesting game plan from the Saints. They got Taysom Hill more involved. We'll talk about him a bit later. But I, I think Olave will rebound to, you know, being more closer to a full-time player. Um, 21% target share last week after 18% the previous week in Jarvis Landry's first game back from injury. You know, that's way down from what it had been. Um, and that's kind of where I think it's going to settle in like the, the low 20. So that type of target share in the Saints offense, like I, I think you're probably going to find him in wide receiver three range in our rankings quite a bit going forward. Now he obviously has upside well beyond that because he is an awesome player. He's a big play guy. Um, but, you know, don't be surprised if you get some some duds from Olave down the stretch here. Yeah, and I think that's really where he belongs. He He's talent-wise, he belongs higher than that, and he's certainly capable of scoring higher than that in any given week. But mm-hmm. for a while there, he was really the only game in town. Now Jarvis Landry's back. Chris Olave was still a little bit ahead of Landry in route rate last week. Even though he was behind Rashid, Rashid Shahid, everybody was down. Like uh, Alvin Kamara led the team at 69% route rate. So it's not like somebody was running 90% and then Olave was down at 63%. So we'll see where things go from there. I think that it's not as bad to sit Olave as it seemed like it was if you did last week, obviously assuming that you're sitting him for somebody very close in the rankings. Uh, and he's probably better than what he did for us the previous three weeks. Yeah. 28th in our wide receiver rankings right now. So, you know, not a must start for every team, but you know, still, still not, not somebody you're upset to be using. Uh, speaking of upset people who have AJ Brown have not been happy lately um, with what he's doing. Of course, two games ago, he hurt an ankle early in that game against Washington. So you kind of have to throw that one out, but even last week he got out targeted by Devonte Smith. Jared, are you worried about AJ Brown? Should we be concerned about AJ Brown? No, I, I think last week was actually pretty encouraging. He saw a 28% target share. Like you want to know how the Eagles are going to replace Dallas Goddard. They're just going to target the hell out of Devonte Smith and AJ Brown. Those guys combined for 64% of the Eagles targets last week, 36% target share for Devonta Smith, 28% target share for AJ Brown. The one, the one thing that's interesting and maybe a negative for Brown, his average depth of target was way down last week. It was at 7.6 yards after being around 11 yards over the first nine games. So I, I, again, I think that's Goddard. 
them needing to replace some of that short yardage stuff. So maybe you don't get, you know, quite the, the big play upside from Brown as you were getting. But again, the, I think the target shares are going to, you know, consistently be at 25 plus percent. He, he's going to be just fine. He's a guy I'd, I'd go out and trade for right now if you still can. We have also had short um, A dots from Devontae Smith recently. And even looking at, uh, so yeah, looking at Dallas Goddard, like you said, he's was at 5.2 average depth of target so far this year before getting hurt. That's down from where he was last year as well. I, I think that the biggest issue for AJ Brown might be the pass offense, which needs to rebound from what it's been like the past few weeks. But if you are, you know, if you're complaining about AJ Brown overall right now, like this is the concern is he's not clearly better than Devonte Smith, at least that we've been able to see yet. And there's a chance that he's just duking it out for targets with Devonte Smith week to week. So I agree with you. The positive here is that combined target rate, 64% for these two guys last week in the first full game without Dallas Goddard um, still leads Devonte Smith by 10 targets for the season. Nine targets in that edge, of course, came in week one against Detroit. So you know, if you want, you can say if you throw out that game, Brown's only beating Devontae Smith by one target for the year, which basically makes them even. But you can't throw out that game. That game counted. We know that that is possible. So you got to take this kind of stuff with the um, good for A.J. Brown. Yeah, he's like every other wide receiver not named Cooper Cup when he's healthy. Like they're, they're going to have down games, but you're not benching the guy. There's nothing wrong with his usage. Yes. 49ers, Jared, the team is just 17th in wide receiver PPR points per game, um, despite having big rushing numbers at that position. So I've been thinking a lot lately about whether Brandon Ayuk should be ahead of Debo Samuel in our rankings. I wonder now if there's just too much focus on both of them because it hasn't really been that fruitful position, although it's really concentrated among those two players. We did get Debo out targeting Brandon Ayuk on Monday night, nine to four, we got two touchdowns from Brandon Ayuk. Uh, what every time I look at the rankings over at least the past three weeks, I'm like, wait a second, should we have Ayuk higher? I haven't really argued it because I'm not sure what to make of it. What do you make of the 49ers wideouts? Yeah, I mean, this is where projections are tough, where we're projecting like a you know median baseline outcome where you know i think for both these guys the ceiling is way higher than where they're projected in the floor is quite a bit lower just because there's four awesome playmakers in this offense and most weeks one's going to get left out Ayuk was that guy last week he just happened to score a touchdown on both of his catches okay you know all four of those guys uh along with kittle and mccaffrey kind of had had nice fantasy days um over their last five games together it's debo samuel 41 targets brandon Ayuk 37 targets so I, again, I, I think Debo's still the preferred play because he adds the rushing stuff. But otherwise, I think they're they're pretty similar. I think uh, in most cases, you're starting them as wide receiver twos, you know, with both guys having the potential to finish as wide receiver ones every week. Yeah, Monday night was actually the first time since week five that Debo uh, beat Brandon Ayuk in either targets or PPR points. But that span only included three shared games. We had the bye. We had one missed game for Debo Samuel. So it felt like a while where Ayuk was outscoring Debo, but it's really not um, as big a gap as it seemed like. So I, I think the rushing keeps Debo ahead, and he has seen four and three carries in the two games since the bye, despite Elijah Mitchell coming back from IR to join Christian McCaffrey. So they still want him involved in the run game. And like we saw on Monday night, it doesn't necessarily hurt his target count. They're not giving him the ball on the ground rather than throwing it to him. Yeah. You want, you want pieces of this offense. I mean, it looks really strong. Niners might be, might be my pick to come out of the NFC at this point. They were looking pretty good. We'll see where things go from here on the AFC side. The chiefs are a lot of people's picks. 
But we're talking about their wideouts, Jared, and we are kind of waiting to see exactly what the situation is going to be for this week. Kadarius Tony hurt a hamstring because he played football last week. <laughs> um, Juju Smith-Schuster missed that game with a concussion. So, you know, usually a concussion's been a one-game injury this year. So what's the early take on week 12 for who's going to be available? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say right now. Um, we know McCall Hardman's out. He's an IR. I'd be surprised if Tony plays just – considering his history and with another hamstring. And we are right now projecting Juju Smith-Schuster in. So that, you know, that leave Juju and MBS and Sky Moore and Justin Watson as the top four. Right now, you know, Juju is the only one of those Chiefs wide receivers in starter territory. If Juju does not play, then I think Sky Moore becomes more interesting. Um, he looked awesome to me in that Sunday night win over the Chargers. We know, you know, he was a prospect we like. He was a second round pick. It's kind of been a, a slow come up for him, but, you know, they, they need him at this point. Um, and even in the second half of that game, you know, with Kadarius Tony out sky more ran her out on 60% of the pass plays. If he can get, you know, to that number, I think he's someone um, that could be usable. He, he was available in a bunch of FFPC leagues that I'm in, which are, you know, higher stakes leagues with bigger benches. So I think he's available in a bunch of leagues. I would definitely stash him right now. Ideally not start him this week, but um, I, I think, you know, as early as week you know 13, he could be a, a pretty exciting fantasy play. I disagree with the exciting. I definitely agree that he's stashable. I just don't think that there's room for him to get to a point where we can start him above the, I need somebody with some upside level because we do still have Juju who will be back. Even if it's not this week, it'll be soon. Kadarius Tony will probably be back at some point. Marquez Valdez Scantling is still around and I'm not excited about him either, but he gets some targets and definitely takes routes. Justin Watson has still been running routes ahead of Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony. So for me, I like the talent is great. Playing with Patrick Mahomes is great, but there's just not room for that consistent target outlook. Yeah, I don't disagree with, with that, but you know, a 15% target share in Kansas City is different than a 15% target share pretty much anywhere else because the elevated passing volume because you're playing with Patrick Mahomes. So I, I don't think more will be the same consistent every week, you know, 15 plus point producer, but um I think he could be someone you start as a wide receiver three and get some big games down the stretch. Justin Watson, by the way, ran her out on 98% of the pass plays last week. Um if Juju is still out and Tony is out, Justin Watson could be a guy you turn to this week in, in, in deeper leagues. Mm -hmm. The Packers, Jared, we've got Alan Lazard. We've got Christian Watson. Does Alan Lazard belong ahead of Christian Watson in the week 12 rankings yeah. and beyond? I think so. Um, Christian Watson has scored a touchdown on five of his eight catches over the past two games. Um, he saw six targets last week, a 15% target share. Alan Lazard saw 11 targets, 28% of the team's targets. Lazard has uh, 8.2 targets on a 23% target share over the last five games. To me, he's he's still the better volume bet. Um, you know, Watson obviously gives you more upside weekly. I think Lazard is still going to be the steadier option the rest of the way. T tough matchup for both guys this week against the Eagles. Um, Watson Watson's lower in our wide receiver rankings than um, you, you'd probably expect him to be. He'd be a tough guy to sit. But, um, you know, again, with the usage and the type of player he is and in the matchup, I, I would not be surprised if he if he does this week. Plus, against this defense, it's going to be a little tougher to set up the long plays that are really the advantage for Watson than yeah. it might be in other spots. I, I would say the one thing I feel most comfortable about is taking the under on Aaron Rodgers passing yards and underdog pickums. The Eagles are first defending deep passes, according to football outsiders. You know, you can kind of attack them short, but they don't give up deep passes. Um, they're third in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So, um, again, a, a 
definitely a tough spot for Watson, a bit better of a spot for Lazard, who does play in the slot a little bit. Uh, that's kind of where you want to attack the Eagles. But um, you know, even Lazard this week, I think it's just a wide receiver three. Yeah. Speaking of young wide receivers with upside, though, Traylon Burks, we got some numbers from him last Thursday night. I love the target share. I love the big production. I'm a little bit wary of the route rate decline in that game, though. Yes, yeah, 68% last week um, after being 75% in his week 10 return. It's definitely lower than we'd like to see. It it could rebound again. I wouldn't be surprised. It's really like Burke saw 28% of the Titans targets in that Thursday night game. Like he, he needs to be like in the mid twenties to have like fantasy viable volume just because the Titans throw it so little. I think he, I think he could be there. So I think he's good. And I think the Titans other wide receivers are not good at this point so he, he could get 25 percent of the targets going forward he, he's going to be volatile but you know there could be spike weeks the rest of the way because just, he's just so talented yes i agree with that uh he's like that's he's the player that i want as opposed to sky more because i think there's a better chance that he is his team's lead receiver and even though you know yeah. lead receiver in tennessee might not be that far ahead of third receiver in Kansas city in terms of targets right. you get every week. It, there's definitely something to being the first option. And I do think that he'll be a better bet for weekly targets. Yep. I prefer Burks for sure. If Juju is back this week, if, if Juju and Tony are out, um, I think I'd lean sky Moore as a starter over Burks this week. Cardinals might get Marquise Brown back this week. What's the latest you've heard on that one? I haven't heard anything lately. He practiced last week. Um, seemed like he had a, a shot. And then there was a report before the Monday night game that he was kind of you know aiming at week 12 as his return date. The Cardinals do have a week 13 bye, which could factor into the decision. They can, you know, hold Brown out for, for two more weeks. So we're just going to have to, we can't even track track his practice participation level because he's still on IR. So it's a tough situation. We'll at least know by Saturday afternoon if he's going to play. And then again, Rondell Moore and Greg Dorch are hurt right now. Um, so you might get, 50% target share for DeAndre Hopkins this weekend. And both quarterbacks are hurt right now. So we have no idea who's playing for the Cardinals besides James Conner on Sunday. We're just going to have to watch this team and see what's happening. Yep. Finally in the wide receiver section, Darius Slayton, 58 plus receiving yards in four straight games and five of the seven games this season in which he has gotten any targets. Uh, Darius Slayton seems like somebody who has a potential to help us. It's a tough matchup for him this week. He'll probably see lots of Trayvon Diggs. Darius Slayton's pretty good. Like I don't like he had a good rookie year, then he just disappeared for some reason. And now he got a chance again this year and he's he's delivering again. Um yeah, 21% target share over his last four games, and now no Wondell Robinson, who was like the you know, the clear one B to Slayton over the past month. So Slayton could get even more targets going forward. Um, you know, low volume passing game with iffy quarterback play and adds risk. But um I, I think I think Slayton could be a wide receiver three the rest of the way. I agree with that on the tight end. And rather than go one by one through these guys, because it's really more of a, this guy against that guy, we've got Taysom Hill. We've got Greg Dulcich, Foster Moreau, Dawson Knox up first. And Jared, I, it seemed last week, like maybe it was time to forget about Taysom Hill, but did the Saints <laughs> change that? Uh, yeah. So Hill played a season high in offensive snaps last week, 24, um, his nine carries were the second most of the season. And then Dennis Allen said after the game that, it, you know, it was their plan to get him more involved going forward, which I don't know why that's stopping the plan at any point, because, you know, he, he has been you know, probably there at least, at least the top three weapon in that offense all season. So uh, I do think, you know, Hill is kind of back in that mix where if you don't have a locked in starter, like, yeah, his floor is low, but he has as much upside as anyone outside, you know, the top two or three tight ends. 
Plus, if he is going to get, you know, seven, eight plus carries, that gives him a decent floor versus the other running backs that we're talking about. And certainly I mean, running backs, you know, I, it, that's like a subconscious thing because yeah. that's where the upside comes. <laughs> and with all these tight ends, we're basically hoping for a shot at a touchdown. So if it's somebody who is going to get a pass attempt here and there and can also be a red zone option on the ground. You know, he's very similar. It, it does, it's not in the same way, but it ultimately makes him very similar as an option to all these other low tight end one types. Yeah. Niners matchup this week. Like the Saints should go into that trying to control the ball on the ground because, you know, if Dalton's dropping back um, behind that old line against that pass rush. I don't, I don't think it's going to go very well. Greg Dulcich, Foster Moreau, Dawson Knox, more traditional tight ends, all have their issues, all have some upside. Anybody in that trio that you're favoring right now, Jared? Uh, Knox, just because the Bills have a 32-point implied total tomorrow, which I think is the highest number we've seen all season. Um, Dawson Knox's route rate has been up for a while, like in the 70s or 80s where we want it. The targets hadn't been great, but he has 13 of them over the past two weeks at 18 and a half percent target share. So, you know, if if he can stay anywhere near that level, he's going to be a weekly fantasy starter. Uh, Moreau is the tough one for me. His routes were way down last week, 61%. He pass blocked way more than he had been. I don't know if that was a matchup thing or what. Um, It obviously makes him a scary fantasy play, but he gets Seattle who has been, you know, one of the best tight end matchups all season. So Moreau is to me, the toughest call at tight end this week. Yeah, Foster Moreau and Greg Dulcich both stand as guys that you shouldn't reach over anybody for. And I made the mistake with Dulcich last week. It's one of those that you can explain it away and it's not a terrible decision, but I played him over Pat Fryermuth. They were right next to each other in our PPR rankings, lost a matchup because of that decision. We only got four catches, 30 yards for Dulcich, had another strong route rate, 84%, had a great matchup against the Raiders. I mean, I get, I, I was thinking, we there, the targets have to go somewhere. We've got Cortland Sutton, we've got Greg Dulcich, and I don't know who else. So it almost has to be at least a positive game for Dulcich, whereas the Steelers are playing the Bengals and could do absolutely nothing passing. But I forgot to properly weigh how crappy these Broncos are. Yeah, starting Dulcich wasn't the mistake. It was benching Fryermuth, who, you know, he just needs to be locked in the lineups this point. I mean, he's consistently getting like 20 plus percent target shares when he's been healthy this season. But I mean, even last week, 16% target share for Dulcich. You mentioned the route rate was still fine. Like his usage is still there. It's just, you know, Denver's offense is holding him back like it is everyone. Yep. And we got it. I definitely need to factor that in, which I've been, you know, complaining about all year. I let it get the better of me this particular time. Foster Moreau, no catches last week until that 33 yarder in overtime. So I would like to not use him if possible. And that's certainly not been a passing game that has told us we need to get pieces of it. It's one that's been better to avoid this year if possible outside of Devontae Adams, obviously. Yes. And then finally, more like streaming level options, although David Njoku doesn't really fit that level. He's down there because of what's going on right now. He returned last week from his knee injury, but ran behind Harrison Bryant. So what are we feeling with David Njoku right now? Yeah, last week was another good week for um, fading guys coming off high ankle sprains, right? We had Njoku limited. We had Mike Williams aggravate it in the first quarter. Um, so to me, like as much as I love Njoku and how good he was early this season, like I need to see him back close to pre-injury level usage before I'm, I'm, you know, trying to get him into the fantasy lineup. Maybe you have to. The upside's still there. I, I, I do think his usage is going to climb now going forward if he avoids a setback. But um, again, I'd, I'd rather see it before using him. 
Yeah. And we will start to get a look at that with the practice participation. Last week, it was no practice Wednesday, limited Thursday, limited Friday. Then he was questionable for the game. So we should have headed in thinking, all right, we don't have full and Joku back. And we certainly didn't get full and Joku. So we'll see how he practices this week and see how he improves both in usage and production going forward. Otherwise, Trey McBride, somebody who got extra usage last week, Logan Thomas, Trey McBride, like obviously a rookie tight end in what's been a lackluster offense and without its starting quarterback, not somebody to get excited about, but it's a little disappointing. They only got 9% target share in that first full game with all that playing time after Zach Ertz. It's even more disappointing to me, Jared, that he somehow turned four catches into just 14 <laughs> yards. Like I, I took the over on his 19 and a half yards, knowing that it wasn't a safe bet by any means. But if you had told me before the game, he's going to catch four passes. I'd be like, sweet. Give me my money. Yeah, they used him like they were using Zach Ertz, where you know they should be using Trey McBride downfield more. So we'll see if that changes. That, that this has kind of been McBride's story so far, even going back to the preseason. Like he runs all these routes, but he just doesn't get targeted. So it, you know it's still a tiny sample we're looking at that could definitely change the rest of the way. To me, McBride is someone I'd consider if Rondell Moore and Greg Dorch are both out. Then I think you know it kind of be like you know who's left, and I think McBride would be a, a pretty decent bet for volume. I think McBride's somebody you consider if you're like, oh, crap, I need a tight end and there are none left, but Trey McBride's there. I spent a lot of money on that guy in FFPC leagues. I got to get a return on my investment. <laughs> Logan Thomas is another one that might not be ready to give a whole lot of return on investment. The route rates have been good the past couple yep. of games, but last week found him fourth in that category behind Jahan Dotson, who elevated coming back from his hamstring injury. It was his second game back from that. And, you know, similar to what we were saying with the the target rate in Kansas City, I think in this particular offense, you need more than just a solid route rate and being fourth on the team there to actually be attractive for fantasy in Washington. Yeah, Thomas, you know, kind of got there last week because he saw 22% of Washington's targets. You can't bet on that type of target share going forward. He saw 14% the previous week. You know, I think that's closer to what we can expect. The matchup's good for Logan Thomas. The Falcons are 26th against tight ends, but the matchup's good for everyone on Washington's offense. I'm with you. You know, it's going to be a run-heavy game plan, and then, you know, Terry McLaurin remains the clear top guy in this passing game. So, um, yeah, Thomas, you know, well outside our top 12, but, um, you know, he, he's decent because of the matchup if you need a, a tight end streamer. Yeah, and once you get outside the top 12 at this point, it's like, yeah, sure. That guy might be fine. Sure. Play yeah. that guy. <laughs> they're all, they all stink if they're outside the top 12 tight ends yep. at this point. Let's close this out, Jared, with the favorite defense streamer that might actually still be out there right now. I got the Colts and chiefs at sub 50% according to ESPN league ownership. I know that that's not the best read on what's actually available in serious leagues at this point in the year, though. Yeah, I think there are quite a few good spot starters this week. Um, you know, the Colt, the actually the Chiefs and Colts were available in some of the FFPC leagues. I'm in. Uh, you know, the Chiefs played the Chargers last week, so I don't think many people started them there. So they definitely could be available. I think the Steelers on the other side of that Colts game. Um, I I still think Indy can be an upside matchup for defenses. Pittsburgh obviously has gotten TJ Watt back over the past couple of weeks. So that adds upside. The one thing I wanted to mention, and they're not super high in our rankings this week, but Seattle has just been a good real life defense and a pretty good fantasy defense for a while. Now, not a great matchup against Vegas. Um, you know, Carr just doesn't take a lot of sacks, doesn't turn over a whole lot, but I think Seattle's a decent play this week. And then the following two weeks, they get the Rams and Panthers. So I think you could grab Seattle now. Again, I think they're okay this week, and I think they'll be you know, probably a top five defense each of the next two weeks. 
Yeah, I like that. They had a rough game against the Bucks last time out, but several straight games as one of the top defenses in the league before that. So I would bet on them in that matchup. I think for this week specifically, the Vikings are just 21.7% owned in ESPN leagues. They're home to play the Patriots, who have been the fourth most generous scoring matchup for fantasy defenses, according to our adjusted fantasy points allowed. Vikings defense was terrible last week against the Cowboys. They lost you eight points by by ESPN scoring. I don't think that the downside is really that low most weeks. And before that game, they had four straight good ones, including a game at Buffalo where nobody would have had any business starting them. The touchdown obviously helped in that game, but they also had four total takeaways and three that were not a dropped snap at the goal line. Yep, I like that call. I think it's going to be a... Uh... Ugly defensive battle tomorrow night. Uh, Miami is also available in quite a few leagues coming off a of bye week. They're massive home favorites for Houston, Kyle Allen on Sunday. So I think the Dolphins are a good uh, week 12 spot start. I agree with that. And that's going to do it for this week 12 preview edition of the podcast. As you're sitting around in your food coma Thursday, be sure to check our updated rankings for lineup recommendations, as well as our favorite prop bets across the league. Click the links at the bottom of this podcast post, wherever you're getting it, for deposit matches on Underdog and on Sleeper. And if you have any final lineup questions that are lingering, that you're struggling with, tap into our community on Discord. Come join for free. You can get advice on who to use. For Jared Small and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.